Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit stirs our hearts with the promises of our Savior is 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 through 16. Uh, the first lesson for today. After a while, the brook dried up, since there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Get up, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. He got up and went to Zarephath. He came to the city gate, and look, a widow was there gathering wooden twigs. He called to her and said, Please, bring me a little water in a cup so that I may have a drink. She was on her way to bring it. And he called to her and said, Please, bring me a bit of bread in your hand. She said to him, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have a piece of bread, but only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. See, I was gathering a couple of wooden twigs to go home and make it for my son and myself so that we could eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go, do as you've said but make a small piece of bread from it for me first and bring it out to me. Afterwards make some for your son and yourself, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has said. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run out until the day the Lord gives a rain on the ground. She went and did as Elijah had said and ate for days he and she and her household the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run out, according to the Lord's word, which had been spoken by Elijah. First Kings seventeen seven through sixteen. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. What worries do you struggle with? Worries about making payments or credit card debt? Worries about aches and pains or hospital stains, uh, stays? Worries about family relations or issues at work or what other people might be saying about you? We worry about our children. Many of you about your grandchildren. What kind of world are they growing up in? We have so many worries. But at least after last Sunday, we don't have to worry if the Vikings are going to lose another Super Bowl or not. But all, all kidding aside there, doesn't that illustrate how we worry about little things like losing a game? All the way up to the big issues of life, life and death issues, even eternal issues. Am I forgiven? Will I be saved? And it, worry really has no age limit whether it's the little kid worrying about grades at school or that bully or, or relationships, and no matter how old we get, we never outgrow our worries. Now consider this widow from Zarephath. What worries must have weighed down on her heart? 
You know, for so much of history, the husband was the only breadwinner for the family. He owned the property, worked the fields, and, and ran the business or the trade. How was she going to make it, having to provide without a husband? How was she going to, to care for her son? But somehow, somehow she must have made ends meet at first. Maybe she gleaned fields like Ruth had done earlier. Maybe she had some skill or craft of her own. But then, then things went from bad to worse. A drought came, bringing famine. How her worries must have grown. Now, we know the reason behind this drought. The background is, is this. In the mid-9th century before Christ, Ahab became a king of the northern ten tribes along with Jezebel, uh, the, his wife, the daughter of King Ethbaal, king of Sidon. Now, Ahab not only continued in the sin of Jeroboam, which was promoting the worship at the golden calves King Jeroboam had set up several decades earlier when the ten tribes broke away from Judah. Not only did Ahab promote that idolatry, he also promoted the worship of Baal, the god of his wife Jezebel. He even built a, a temple for Baal there in, in, in Samaria, the capital. So the Lord sent the prophet Elijah to Ahab and told the king, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain for the next few years, except at my word. And so the drought and the famine that followed. And it not only affected that boundary, that, that territory of Israel, it also affected its neighbors, including Sidon to the north, from where Jezebel had come, and also cities under the control of Sidon, like Zarephath. During this time, the Lord took care of his prophet, Elijah. He led him to a stream, a brook from which Elijah could drink, and he sent ravens to bring Elijah food. The prophet was taken care of. What about this widow in Zarephath? How her worries must have grown each day as she looked up at that cloudless sky. Day after day, no rain, no dew. The ground cracked, the hot wind blew, the months passed. How could there be any harvest? Food grew scarce, and, and what food was available was well beyond her means. How her worries must have grown as that jar of oil dwindled and only a few drops of oil were left in that jug of, of oil. Just enough for one last meal for her son and for herself. Where was her God? Where was Bill? Wasn't he supposed to be the God of thunder and rain? Then why this drought? All she had to look forward to was, was withering away in hunger and watching her son starve to death. And then, what would death bring? Now, 
Sometimes we try to ease our worries by telling ourselves, I guess things could be worse, or at least I don't have it as bad as so-and-so. And I suppose we could use this widow here too and, and say to ourselves, well, I guess I should be happy since I don't have it as bad as she had it. But dear friends, that's not God's way of comforting us in our worries and lifting us up out of them. Let, let's look again at, at the prophet Elijah and see God's way in taking care of our worries. Now, when we meet the prophet Elijah at the beginning of the text, the brook that he had been drinking from had dried up. Might even this prophet have begun to worry? But the Lord, the Lord had a plan here. And he tells Elijah to go to uh, that city outside, that town outside of Israel, to that widow in Zarephath. And then he makes a promise to Elijah. He says to him, I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. And now, as the account unfolds, we realize that the Lord hadn't verbally spoken to this woman, ordering her to do this. When Elijah gets there, she has no idea what's going on. But that doesn't change the fact. The Lord, the God over all, was certainly in command. He was in control, directing everything according to his wisdom and mercy. He commanded this woman in ways that she did not even realize. And what a promise that holds for you and me as well, isn't it? That our God, and note that word, our God is in command. Even those people that reject him and fight against him are not outside of his power. Just think back to the gospel for today, how those people in, in Nazareth rejected Jesus and wanted to throw him off the cliff, but God was in command there. Jesus walked right through the crowd. And so not even the devil himself with all his striving and struggling and straining is a match for the Almighty. Our God is in command. So no matter how big your worries are, not a single one of them is beyond your God. His promises trump our worries. For you see, our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases, Psalm 115 promises. And that means that you and I can say along with the Apostle Paul, we can say, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our God is in command. Take that, you worries. And now also in addition, take note of that promise that the Lord made to this widow here. The promise that made all the difference in her life as well. And so we, we go back to the text here and, and we, we meet Elijah as he comes to the gate of that town. The widow is out there collecting sticks to make one last fire to prepare the meal for herself and her son. 
Elijah calls to her and asks for some water. That she can provide. But then he calls out again, asking for a little bit of bread. How that brought her worries and fears just swelling up with inside, inside of her. Did her, did her eyes begin to water and her voice crack as she laid out for Elijah what the situation was? As the Lord your God lives, I do not have a piece of bread, but only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. See, I was gathering a couple of wooden twigs to go and make it for my son and myself so that we could eat it die. Elijah comforts her. Don't be afraid, he says. And those words are much more than an empty platitude. For then he adds that wonderful, that unique promise from the Lord, the God of Israel. He says to her, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run out until the day the Lord gives rain on the ground. Doesn't that sound sort of ridiculous and foolish? Have you ever seen something miraculously, magically replenished when it was supposed to have been run out? It just doesn't make sense, does it? But as ridiculous and foolish as that promise sounded, she took God at his word. The Holy Spirit brought her to trust that promise even though it contradicted her reason, her experience, her common sense, her desire for self-preservation and her care for her child. She trusted the promise. And she didn't hedge her bet, did she? She didn't figure, well, I'll make some for myself and my son first, and then if the Lord's promise proves to be true, and, and there's more oil and flour, then and only then will I make some for the prophet. No. She trusted the promise and made some for the prophet first, leaving it in the Lord's hands. But you see, God's promises trumped her worry. She trusted the Lord and his promises and acted accordingly. Now, God has not promised you and me that our jars and jugs will never run dry. So don't go home and try that. But he has promised to take care of us. He has promised to take care of you and me, for he is our heavenly Father. For you see, he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem you so that you might belong to him as his blood-bought child. He adopted you by placing his family name, the name of the triune God, on you personally through the water and word of baptism. You were reborn. Your heavenly Father, and mark that word well, your heavenly Father takes care of you. For through faith in Jesus, you are his dearly loved child. Remember how Jesus brought this home to us when he, he pointed to the birds, you know, those birds we see flying around just about all, at any time of the year. He pointed to them and said, see, 
They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Our Father's promises trump our worry. But, but sometimes, doesn't it seem that it takes God so long to act? Things go from bad to worse, and we don't know what to do, so we worry. But think about this account again. God didn't send the prophet Elijah to that widow right away, did he? He waited until all other hope was gone. There was only one meal standing between her and death. And so also for us. We are so apt to build our hopes on so many of the other things in this world instead of taking God's promises to heart. And so, so often, before we trust God's promises, fully relying on them alone, God has to knock out from underneath us all those other things that we try to build our hope on, all those false hopes and man-made promises. For we so often try to prop ourselves up with our own strength or other people or the things of this world, and so God weighs us down until everything else collapses, leaving us only His promises. And dear friends, His promises will not break. No matter how great the weight is. Your Heavenly Father's promises and only His promises truly trump all of our worries. And as you, dear Christian, take those promises, promises to heart, as you trust your Father's promises, they serve as a solid foundation so that we can take action. Just as that widow took action based on the Lord's promise so that she made that bread for the Lord's prophet first, so also God's promises are our solid foundation, enabling us to act in love for others, love that does what is best for them. That's the love that the apostle described in the, the uh, Second lesson today from Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Such love acts for others without worrying about ourselves. Such love acts in ways that are generous, kind, selfless, considerate, and forgiving. For you see, dear friends, you, you have the promise of the Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, that He is taking care of you. His promises trump our worries so that we can love others and trusting the care of ourselves to Him, our Father in heaven. 
So as you look at the cards that life has dealt to you, what kind of worry cards are you holding? Are they only small worries that you think you can probably get rid of if you play the cards right? Or, or maybe they're medium-sized worries, seven and eights. Maybe you have some big worries, kings and queens, even an ace. We don't want to bring any of these home. So what good news it is that our Heavenly Father's promises trump our worries. And He isn't stingy with His trump cards. Even His smallest trump can take away our biggest worries. His smallest promises are greater than our greatest worries. And He's even played His ace of trump for you, His Son, Jesus Christ so to speak, so that when we wonder or doubt whether our Father is really taking care of us, whether He really does love us, just look to the cross. Look to Jesus hanging there for you. Know that God has played His ace of trump for you, for He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? As Romans 8 promises. Our Heavenly Father's promises trump our worries. And if at times you wonder whether God will really follow through, whether maybe He's already played His trump and so, you know, you're you're stuck with your worries, then know that he still has that ace as well, that ace of trump. For Jesus rose from the dead. Just look at the empty Easter tomb and be assured, as Paul promises us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, be assured that in no matter how many promises God has made, Paul writes, they are yes in Christ. God's promises do not fail. Rather, our Father's promises trump our worries. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.